welcome to week number 157 of the Two Guys in the Fridays podcast. My name is Steven, and that over there is Travis. Season four. Season four. Season four. We're, this is the season premiere. Season four. Four seasons of TGIF. Four seasons of Two Guys in the Fridays. We're starting it off with a brand new show. I'm excited to get into it, but before we do any of that, thanks to Kirill for the theme song this week. Thanks, Kirill. I had a roommate named Kirill. Probably not the same guy, but I had a roommate named Kirill. It's probably him. Doubt it. He wasn't very creative. Uh, also, make sure you're following us on all social media at TGIFCast. Go to YouTube, subscribe to that channel, Two Guys Into Fridays. And if you want to send in your own version of the theme song, just like Kirill, it's real easy to do. Make it. Email it to us, tgifcast at gmail.com. That's what you got to do. That's it. That's what you got to do. Um, so before we get into the episodes this week, we do like to look at a few things that were going on back in the world 30 years ago. Now, this week of TGIF would have aired... This would have been September 18th, 1992. So on September 12th, 1992, Mae Jemison, you know who she is? Not yet, no. She was the first ever African-American woman in space. Oh, that's cool. How many do you think there have been since then? Well, I don't think there's been a whole lot of people in space since then generally. So I'm going to say... How many total? Uh, Go for the total. African-American people. African-American women in space. Oh, fortunately, I don't know, two. Five. Okay, cool. The most recent being uh, Jessica Watkins this past April. She was on SpaceX. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, is that is that NASA or is that just generally yeah, it's everybody? In space. Yeah, space. Okay, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, that's all I got for news stories this week. What about movies and music? What was number one this week? Yeah, so new movie. We have the movie Sneakers. Do you remember this movie at all? A little bit. I mean, I, def- I think I know the box of the movie more than I know the movie, maybe. I know exactly what you mean. This box kind of, for, for whatever weird reason, sticks out, even though there's nothing particularly like, like spectacular about it. But so it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it was a fun movie. It's a fun movie. It's a like very early hackers movie. It's about these like guys who were hackers in the '80s, but then they, you know, they get caught by the FBI, and then you know, ten years later, they're now like grown men, like forty-year-old men coming that are still like security hacker experts, and it's this whole like kind of plot about Russia and the FBI, but it's got, I mean, the cast is amazing. And so it's, it's Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley, hmm. River Phoenix, Sidney Poitier, Mary, Mary McDonald's, David Stratham. I mean, it's a, an amazing, uh, what's his name? Uh, James Earl Jones is in it. Like, yeah. I don't a, know. I don't know this movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a weird movie. Like, I don't know if this would work today. It's one of those movies that comes out every few years where it's kind of, they take some of the older Hollywood people that are like really well established and they do, a movie that like you know it's kind of hard for younger people to get their head around but it, it works really well for the people that know and love these actors um so anyways it was a fun movie so you think the cast it. alone is the reason why it was number one i mean that's an amazing cast i think that definitely helps yeah, yeah. for sure okay um, and i mean robert redford this was like kind of a really peak time for him and that and that you know age group and dan Aykroyd was big all these people were big city portier it's always been big river phoenix this was one of his you know, a few kind of Hollywood movies. So, all right. Um, yeah, cool movie. Good worth movie. The, worth I the recommend watch. it. Okay. It's worth the watch. It's worth the watch. Yeah. It's, it's probably not for everybody, but it is fun. And it's very, it's also fun because it's a hacker's movie in the early 90s. So it's very dated in a lot of ways, but in a fun way. You know what I mean? Like looking yeah, yeah. at the internet as people saw it in 1990. But I think it's also a lot more accurate than most of the hacker movies we that I know I like, but. Whatever. Boys to Men, uh, still number one? Boys to Men, End of the Road, number one song. Will be for a while still. <laughs> so All right. That's, uh, that's it. Uh, and no birthdays this week. Um, so, yeah. So, we already mentioned it. We've got a full week of TGIF. We've we got do. the return of three of our favorite shows, Family Matters, Step by Step, and Dinosaurs. And we have the series premiere of a brand new show called Camp Wilder. Camp Wilder. Will it be one of our favorite shows? I don't know, but uh, we, we will know. at least talk about it and uh, see what Travis and I think about it. Absolutely. All right, so we start off with the 8 o'clock slot this week, Family Matters. 
Sorry about that microphone issue. Season four. Jesus. Uh, episode one. <laughs> Shirley, you joust is the name of the episode. So we get our Urkel intro. We're at Rachel's place. Uh, Urkel comes out to, to, to Laura, who's like behind the counter. Urkel's got on some a helmet, some pads. Looks like he's probably going rollerblading or something. But he comes to tell Laura that he has uh, invented something with his skateboard that has made his job waiting tables a whole lot easier. Goes to the yeah, back. I can't. Comes can't back out. He's got this motorized scooter. Doesn't look like he invented it at all. Just looks like a motorized scooter. Um, I'm guessing those were around back then, right? They're more popular now than they I'm were thinking, back that's then. That's what I'm wondering is, well, yeah, but this was obviously a gas-powered scooter, not an electric scooter. So I'm curious as to how kind of unique this was back then compared to obviously nowadays it's not unique at all so he goes flying through the restaurant smashes into a table knocks people over milkshakes are everywhere and of course we get an urkel did i do that and that's your urkel intro for the week i've got some bad news for you on this this opening steve did i watch the wrong episode or something no no (laughs) you watched the right episode this is the last time we will ever see or i think even hear of rachel's place Really? I believe. Yeah, I know it's definitely the last time huh. it is in the show. I, I, from what I read, it seems like it's also the last time they even they even mentioned it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so after the theme, we come back. We've got Eddie. Well, let's talk about the theme real quick. There's oh, a couple, it is a new couple, new theme th- intro Yeah, there's a couple video, things right? going on here. Yeah, so they've they've cut the, if you like remember. Clips. In, no more clips. The clips, yeah. So no more updated clips from the season. There's also an addition to the to the credits. Did you notice that at all? Waldo or Waldo. Waldo is now a, uh, I guess, a featured player. He's he's part of the part of the opening credits. Yeah. So uh, we get the entrance video that I feel like most people probably remember. I don't know. It seems like that's the one that you see more often. <laughs> but uh, after it, we come to Eddie and his dad, and uh, they're on the roof again because you know it worked last time, so we might as well put them on the roof for another episode. <laughs> And uh, this time they're trying to fix or install, I guess, a satellite dish. And they, satellite, they need yeah. to do it quick because the uh, World Bikini Championships are later that night. And that, that's the main reason they're putting it in, it seems like. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the inspiration for this. So they're on the roof. They're trying to get this done. We go check downstairs. Steve Urkel arrives at the house and he asks Laura where everyone is. Um, while he's doing this, he tries to get a kiss from her. Um, obviously, she pushes him away. But uh, Steve asks Laura if uh, she was shaving her pits because that's, you know, normal Steve Urkel question. <laughs> well, to ask. A normal question to ask. Yeah. Said he wouldn't mind it if she wasn't doing it. But uh, we go back to the roof. Eddie is now warning his dad not to electrocute himself. But Carl is like, you know what? I've got this all figured out. I don't have it plugged in. I don't have to worry about that. Go back downstairs. Steve's down there. He plugs in the cable electrocutes well, he, sees the ca- he sees the cable laying there and he's like this is what is this this is unsafe this needs to be plugged in yeah so he plugs it in electrocutes both carl and eddie and uh i'm sure they're not happy no, of course yeah no no so we skip a little bit later we've now got the uh, women of the house doing laundry in the living room um Laura pulls out some lingerie and they kind of go around the room to try to figure out whose it is. But of course, it's Estelle's. It was a gift to her. And yeah, go Estelle. While this is going on, Waldo comes over. Um, Carl and Eddie are still up on the uh, roof during all this, still trying to get this satellite dish working. But Waldo is there to uh, check the TV, see if the channels are coming in. And uh, eventually, after some little jokes back and forth, they get it on. And what do you know, on the TV, American Gladiators. American Gladiators. And of course, Laura is like, this is this is a ridiculous show. And um, and Estelle's like, this is great. Half-naked men, love it. I think I watched every single episode of American Gladiators from the very first all the way to the, like, the reboot yeah. and the other reboot. Like, I don't think I missed an episode. So I'm not going to commit to that, but I will say that I watched a lot a lot of American Gladiators. Um, what was your favorite? Do you remember What's Two Scoops? Favorite? Ooh, I don't. I do not. Two Scoops was the best competitor ever. He like okay. destroyed everyone, and they brought him back. I think two or three times, but he no Gladiator stood a chance against him. And like the competitors nice. he went against, it wasn't even not even close. He won by. So I like much. it. Yeah. What was your favorite event? Favorite event? 
Mm-hmm. Assault, maybe? I yeah. feel like that's where you got to go. I mean, you get that's tennis the one with ball the, guns. That's one of the tennis balls, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. That's I'm glad, That's good. That's a, the answer I would have said. That's if, the answer I Absolutely. If I'm not going high tech, I'm, I think I'm going Powerball. Just uh, straight up dunk this yeah. ball in a bucket in the middle of the room and get slammed by a gladiator on the way. Yeah, that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. I liked uh, non-high tech. I liked the... Um, I always like the uh, the ring one, like when they're up in the air, just because there's a lot of like a lot of strategy with that, a lot of kind of like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, do I go. go straight up the middle? Do I try to go around? I mean, yeah, yeah. And it would one. be like they'd have to like change mid mid uh you know mid event. It was it was good. I liked it. Yeah. So yeah, gladiators is on TV, um, and we find out at this point too. Not only does Waldo know one of these gladiators by the name of Saber. It's also his cousin. His cousin, who was actually, um, there's a lot of gladiators in this, but yeah. Yeah, Saber, Saber was a real gladiator from the show, for sure. And um, yeah. while while they're watching this, we go back to the roof to check on the guys. Now Steve Urkel's on the roof for some reason, and uh, he thinks he's going to help out, but uh, ends up like grabbing the pole next to them, which electrocutes him, and... Uh, he barely gets like he's barely phased by the first one though, right? Like he he just kind of like rubs it off. Yeah, yeah, he kind of shakes it off. It's not a huge deal. Um, then Steve starts to give Carl a hard time because he used uh, wood screws instead of like masonry screws, and he's like, "The satellite right. dish is gonna blow away. You got you need to use the right screws." And Carl's like, "It doesn't matter what type of screws I use." So he gets all mad and uh, tells Steve to get off the roof. Steve, um, like. Looks like he's going to try to get off, but he ends up slipping, slides down, grabs onto Eddie, who grabs onto Carl, who grabs onto the satellite dish. And of course, since he's using the wrong screws, the satellite dish pulls out from (laughs) where they just installed it. And the three of them fall onto the ground, most of them landing on top of Steve, I believe. Yeah, Steve is kind of squashed on the ground. He's got, you know, now he's got dirt marks, rips, tears, the whole deal. He's he's. All kinds of disheveled. Yeah, so we go back inside. The women are um, now helping in uh, Eddie and Carl. Of course, they're not helping right. Steve, who comes in a little bit later on his own, probably in the worst shape of the three of them. And he's mad that no one wanted to help him out. Well, and he's mad because he does feel like he's the most injured because because Eddie and Carl both landed on him. Yep, Steve wants an apology, um, saying that Carl was rude while they were on the roof. And Carl tells him... You want an apology for me? This is all your fault that any of this happened. And I want you to go home and never come back because we've never heard that before. <laughs> right. Urkel, I like Ur- Urkel has a real bold response here because he's not like, this is, he's like, no, I will come to your house whenever I want. I am in love with your daughter and you cannot keep me from her. Like, that's a pretty bold response when, you know, when the parent of the house, one of the parents of the house says, get out. Yeah, so they kind of have like a little bickering back and forth fight that uh, eventually uh, they have to get broken up by the rest of the family. But Waldo steps in and he's like, you guys need to settle this uh, in a civilized way. And uh, I know a cousin that can make that happen. Cue the American Gladiators theme. American Gladiators. Yep, so we go right into it. We are on an episode of American Gladiators now. We've got Carl the uh, Bone Crusher versus Steve the Hurricane, and uh, they're in a special grudge match episode. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to get right into it, I think. I mean, this is real. When we say cut to American Gladiators, this is real American Gladiators. Yeah, it's got got the announcers. Mike Adamley. Adamley, is that how you say it? I don't know. They've got the, the the real announcers from American Gladiators. They've got the real Gladiators. This is the real deal. This is not, you know, some knockoff. Yeah, and they also show um, a little side note here, but there's a side bet going on where if Carl wins the episode of the show, Steve Urkel has to stay away from the house forever. But if Steve wins, he gets a heartfelt apology from Carl. Correct. All right, I'm pausing here for a second. All right, so we go right into the first event, which is the Joust. And uh, yeah, we've got Steve versus Turbo to start things off. 
And I was confused. Did he he climbs up and then does he just fall off or does he get knocked well, no. off? So what happens is he climbs up and then they toss him up the joust. I mean, I think it's just called the joust. Whatever the things are that they hold. Oh, and, the pugil stick, I think. The pugil stick. Thank you. That is exactly what it's called. And as he when he catches it, it's just too much for him and it knocks him okay. off. Um, and then he gets back up. Then he eventually gets up there and has his actual match with uh, Turbo. He looks good in the beginning. He's doing a bunch of dodging, and they're talking. The yeah, announcers yeah, were mentioning absolutely. how, like, this is a standard, like, David versus Goliath. We've got the strength of Carl. We've got the agility of Steve. So Steve is up there being his agile self, dodging, but, like, five seconds later, uh, Turbo hits him one time, and he falls off. Well, part of the problem, too, is that Waldo starts talking to him from the crowd. He's distracting him more or less. Not on purpose, but Waldo's like, wear your glasses, Steve. And Steve's like, I'm wearing contacts. Leave me alone. He's like, put your glasses. It just, he's, Waldo's in his ear, and and that's kind of what what hurts his chances. Yeah, but when he falls off, Laura actually comes over, you know, because audience members jump into American Gladiators Arena pretty often. And, uh... Steve's kind of like seeing double. He sees like three or four Laura's and uh, she tells Steve, I just don't want to see you get hurt. And this gives Steve that extra little boost that he needs. Right, right. She's like, you have to stop. You can't. And, and part of it, I think, too, comes from the fact that she knows. I mean, he's doing this for her in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she tells me he has to stop. She cares. About, and he's like, that's it. I'm doing this. I'm going to win. Uh, next match in the Joust, Carl versus Turbo, and Carl wins actually, very surprisingly. Well, I think the joke, the un- the unspoken joke here is that part of part of why Carl wins is that he's hard to knock off because he's mm-hmm. such a big, du- he's a you know he's a big dude. Uh, so I think that that is kind of the unspoken part of his. Yeah, I mean here. Turbo's a big dude too, though, and I mean yeah. one good shot from Carl sends Turbo flying. I mean, Carl is a, is a cop. He's, in theory, trained to, to you know, physically engage with people. And uh, the, kind of like how Laura comes over after uh, Turbo falls off, Harriet comes over and just <laughs> swings her purse at Turbo saying, don't you hit my husband again or something like that. Right, exactly. Uh, your second event of American Gladiators is The Wall. And uh, this is Two Scoops' uh, premiere event if he was on the show. Was he just like up the wall in ten seconds, kind of guy? Less than ten seconds, probably. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've got. Uh, I don't. I didn't take note of who the gladiators were that were chasing Steve and Carl. They didn't say their names. I don't think. I got like a general list of who was kind of in the episode: Saber, okay. Turbo, Electra, Sire. Well, Electra and Sire, and I think are both female. So they're probably. I think the two women were like in the uh, eliminator at the end, like cheering, like from one section. Yeah. Well, they also helped them like up at the, at the top, top of the, the wall. wall. Yeah. What other what other men do you have? Saber, Turbo. Uh, I just have Saber and Turbo, so I don't know who the other guy was. That I mean, it could be the two of them again, like chasing, right? I think, it, yeah, no, it could have been, yeah, it very well could have been. So Carl um, gets pulled off the wall pretty quickly by his gladiator, but uh, I think Steve is actually being chased by Saber, and uh, he tells Saber, "Hey, I think I just saw Arnold Schwarzenegger over there," and that's enough to make to distract uh, Saber. Saber falls off the wall. Steve gets to the top. It is now a tie gladiator game. 10 points, Carl. 10 points, uh, the Hurricane Urkel. And we're going now into the final Eliminator. The elim- and the Eliminator was always the last event, right? Yeah, yeah. And didn't, didn't like one person get a like time advantage based on their points for yeah, the whole yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember it correctly. So Yeah. So um, we've got the Eliminator. Um, the Eliminator course did change through time. Like the the I remember that. Yeah, uh, the obstacles were different at different seasons, but uh, both of them start off. Uh, they've got to go up the treadmill, like the treadmill stairs kind of thing, and uh, they're both struggling to try to get up. Eventually, they make it. Carl um, gets to the handbike first, makes it across first. Uh, they get to the spinning log. Steve Urkel falls off of the spinning log. He's held down there for five seconds like they always do. They mm-hmm. get to the cargo net. Carl's struggling. They both are now neck and neck at the top of the uh, cargo net, heading down the zip line, still super close, heading into the final gauntlet where we get a slow-mo finish of Steve and Carl running to the finish line. It's a photo finish, and uh, they determine it is a tie. They both cross at the exact Perfect same time. Tie. Because yeah. it was like, was it, it was, it was Steve's nose. Was it Carl's stomach that hit? Yeah, I, I thought they were going to just say like, Steve wins by a nose or something. I like, did but too. No, yeah. it's a tie. 
And we find out from the announcers there's going to be a five-minute break, and then both of them are going to race the Eliminator again, (laughs) again. which neither of them want to do. They're both tired. Um, The two of them talk. They um, both kind of admit that they were wrong with the things that they did. They hug it out, and that's the end of the episode. It is. Yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. They, you know, they go into detail. Oracle said that he was really hurt when he got kicked out, which of course he was, right? That's the whole impetus. But uh, yeah, they they work it out. It's all good. No more Rachel's place. <sighs> uh, I mean, we're getting we're getting real close to the to the last time we see. Um, I can't even remember her name. Uh, Judy. The, Judy, and you know, like I said, Rachel. I think Rachel has a leaves the show for a little bit, or at least is very part time. Uh, at some point here. Yeah. All right. Uh, 8.30 slot. We got step-by-step this week. This is the season two premiere called SAT Blues. And uh, we start off with uh, Cody in the backyard. He's looking in his telescope with Mark. Dana comes over um, wondering what he's doing. And then uh, he thinks he sees Saturn, which then Mark looks in the telescope and tells him that's just McDonald's. And Cody now believes that uh, they opened up a McDonald's on Saturn. Good for him. That like, sounds those fun. Those dudes are everywhere. Everywhere. So after the theme, we come back. Let's um, talk about the theme. Hold on, we got changes on this theme. This was a very short theme. I don't know so, if you noticed, but they definitely cut some court, some some of the. Uh, we got rid of two people, right? Versus, well, Penny and Ivy are gone. Uh huh. And, and there was one other thing that I think I noticed that I'm not quite. You know, like my I don't know if my brain was tricking me on this one. Um, but it does appear that they have fixed the random kid problem. Oh, okay. Yeah, I need to watch so, it again next week to make sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is the case. But again, my I, like, I don't know. Was Cody like, was Cody already in it? Cody was already in like it. Like midway I mean, through the season or yeah, something. Yeah, right? yeah. But Penny and Ivy are gone. They are no more. Okay. Um, so we go to the uh, kitchen. Carol is prepping breakfast. Dana comes downstairs. We find out she is about to head out to go take her SATs. Of course, Carol's just trying to get her a good breakfast. And uh, Dana is just stressing out on how it is so important that she does not just well, like amazing on the SATs because she needs to make sure that she gets into an Ivy League school so she is not like Frank's kids. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, I think even in the absence of Frank's kids, like, this is just a big deal for her. Yeah, she kind of thinks herself as being, like, the smart kid in the family. So she wants to get good grades. She wants to get good uh, good score on her SATs, and she wants to go to a good college. So right. um, Frank comes down, and there's, like, this little side story going on in this episode where his clothes keep going missing. So he comes down to, like, a tank top, and... Uh, Carol's like, well, if this, oh, no, Frank says, like, if this keeps happening, I'm going to be walking around buck naked all the time. And then Carol's <laughs> like, well, that's not a problem with me. And then uh, so bad. we find out where the clothes are going pretty quickly because JT and Al come in wearing Frank's clothes. They both got on, like, a sweatshirt. Green or Bay and yeah. Brewer stuff, yeah. And then Karen comes down, and she's wearing one of his sweaters as a dress. So for some reason, all of the kids are just wearing Frank's clothes clothes for some reason well they make this claim that they they don't know this is just the clothes that they have found in their laundry i don't know if they put away their own laundry if carol puts it away but these they don't know this is just this is the clothes that they have and um i will say karen wears that sweater really well because she wears it as like <laughs> as like a dress like it's a long you know men's sweater and she wears it like a dress and it looks it looks good on her i liked it you want to bring that style back i don't know about that but it looked it looked good I'm not saying for you necessarily but like for someone i don't know generally I mean, I, I assume there are people that can make that work. I, I, I don't know if I know any of them, but. Uh, all right. So that's kind of like the end of that scene, right? Like everyone's right. Yeah. wearing Frank's clothes and I kind of leave it at that. So um, next scene, we see Dana arriving to like a classroom to take her SATs. The instructor is rude and kind of, I don't know if she's making Dana a little Mimi more nervous from, kind of thing. Mimi from Drew Carey. Oh, is that who that was? I didn't even realize yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and then Cody shows up. For some reason, Cody is there taking the SATs. Dana's confused, well, of course. Well, he gets, he tells her why. He yeah, says yeah. that, he, yeah, that he, once a month he wants to do something he's never done before. And so he's decided to take the SATs, which is a really strange thing to want to do because, A, it's like really expensive. It takes a lot of time. Is it's it really, really expensive? I feel like it's like a couple hundred bucks to take the SATs. Uh, I thought it was like 50 bucks or something. Maybe it, it is. might be. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I mean, honestly, I never had to pay for it, right? When I was in high school, I wasn't paying for the SATs my yeah. parents were. Um, so I don't know. But I imagine it's expensive. I imagine it's boring. I know it's boring. Um, and like, 
why that just does not strike me as a well i mean cody also mentions that he's been doing this like try new things once a month for a while and he last month or the month before he tried to eat peaches for an entire week that was his new thing and uh did not go very well on his uh stomach is what i'm assuming so i will tell you this out of all the things that i remember about cody from watching this as a kid it is this really he is that he ate because i (laughs) i i want to say you tried it that no, I have not tried it, although it's been tempted because I love peaches. But the the what I want to say they make this a running gag. Like okay. this comes this ends up coming up a lot throughout the show after this first mention. Yeah, I don't but remember. It, could be, it, it just could be I remember this single instance of it just so well that I think it's gonna be mentioned a lot. Um but yeah, anyways. You think it's all kinds of peaches? Like you think it's okay to have like fresh peaches, canned peaches, oh, yeah. frozen peaches. I mean I would. Yeah. Can if you I have like a, what about like peach cobbler and peach pie? Is that okay? Or does it have to be stray peaches? That's tough. If you that's were doing tough. it. If I was doing it, I would only well, peaches. Nothing mixed in. It, it would depend on my intent. And if my intent was I'm only eating peaches, then I'd I'd only eat peaches. If my intent was I'm only eating like peach, food. peach stuff, then I would definitely expand. I mean, I did I did only apples for a week once, and I don't even like apples, and it sucked. Just so, straight apples. Only apples for one week. Yeah, it doesn't and great. didn't like it. I don't like apples, so I, it was not fun. So Cody gets his test. He goes and sits down next to Dana. He's talking about how it's almost like they're in a drive-in movie theater and like tries to scoot all close to Dana and then like starts singing in the middle of the class. And, of course, he's distracting everyone who's trying to take their SATs. It seemed like people had already started, too, which didn't make a lot of sense. Like I thought it was like a timed thing. I think they were like putting their name in, like getting set up and ready. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right, so then we go a little later, believe the same night. Uh, JT, Al, Mark, and Brendan all show up in the Frank's room. Frank's not up there. They're going to steal his clothes. They all want to wear them. Yeah, so this is the scheme. They're, they've just been straight up taking them. Yeah, um, so they get to his closet. They open it up, and an alarm goes off. Frank has caught them. He comes into the room, catches them all, um, Gets mad at him for stealing his clothes, and then Karen comes in and returns a pair of his boxer shorts because apparently that's the new style. They just uh, sew up the fly and wear the wear men's boxer shorts. I kind of remember that though being a thing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because like I feel like in the early '90s, boxers in general became like a big thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, that's kind of it for that scene though, right? Like. People come in, alarm goes off, catches them. Yeah, Karen comes I think, in. I think what, the alarm, just so it's we make it clear, it's like is like a, a full alarm. on car alarm. He's got a remote that he like clicks it off, and then boop, he boop. like reactivates it when they when they all leave. Yeah. Um. So we go now to I guess a f- few weeks later, probably Carol's. Yeah, uh, no, it took, yeah. I mean, it took for it takes forever to get your SATs back. Carol's organizing the books on their like bookshelf in the living room. Dana comes down. She's anxious because she wants her SAT scores. She thinks she heard the mailman. Uh, Frank comes in with the mail. Dana jumps on his back to try to grab the uh, mail to see if her SAT scores are in there. They are. She opens them, and she got a 1270. Very respectable score. Not good enough for Dana, though. She's not that happy. No, not at all. They do make a note. She's like, well, look, it's the 91st percentile. If you were walking down the street and you passed 10 people, you'd be smarter than, what, nine of them. Yeah. The math is. Seems good. Uh, Cody comes in. Frank gives him his SAT scores. He opens it up and gets a 650. So Dana is, like, rubbing it in his face. into him. Making fun of him. For no reason. That's just cruel. Like, why are you going to do Like, why? Why do you need to make fun of him? She always makes fun of him about everything. Yeah. But this is unnecessary. This is just mean. Then we find out it's a 650 on the verbal section and a 670 on the math section, giving him a total score of 1320, doing better than Dana did on her SATs. And now Dana is freaking out. She's like, how did this happen? This can't be real. And of course, now JT and Cody are just celebrating and rubbing it in that Cody did better than Dana on her SATs. Exactly. Well, I think JT is. I don't know if Cody. I mean, Cody's excited, but I don't think he's rubbing it in because I don't really think he even understands. Yeah, he's what. not rubbing it in, but he's definitely like celebrating. I guess. With, yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. So uh, into the kitchen, Frank is now uh, cutting up some watermelon like crazy man, like <laughs> hack jobbing it. <laughs> like, 
And uh, Cody's upset because he's like, I got to rethink my whole life now because I didn't realize I was this smart. I probably have to be a brain surgeon or something. And uh, Carol and Dana come down and they're going to be going to the store because they're going to get some SAT like practice exams and stuff. She wants to retake the test and she even wants Cody to retake the test as well to uh, make sure that he's (laughs) as smart as his uh, 1320 says he is. Yeah, and well, the good thing, though, is that it turns out they're only going to do, like, by retaking it for Cody, it's just the practice test. They're not going to make him, like, go to a proctor test. Yeah, so um, Cody's in this dilemma. Like, he's not sure if he should actually retake it and kind of asks uh, Frank for some advice. And Frank's like, well, I wouldn't answer that unless I walked a mile in someone's shoes. And then, like, (laughs) Cody takes off his shoes and gives him the Frank thinking he actually meant that. Yeah, I like this whole time Cody's terrified that they're going to make him become a brain surgeon. Yeah. Like, that's his biggest fear is that somebody's going to make him become a brain surgeon. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he says it somewhere in here that he really likes his job. He likes to, doing his demolition stuff. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the point he's making the whole, the whole episode. Is that even though he turns out to be this kind of savant, he, he likes doing what he does. So, uh, skip ahead a little bit. We're at the house. Dana is, um, well, I guess Carol's adding up the scores. Dana and Cody right. have just uh, retaken the SATs. Um, she finishes adding up uh, Dana's and tells Dana, Dana, you did better. You got a 1350. And she's really excited. She starts, I think she's rubbing it in Cody's face, like, I beat you. I knew it. <laughs> then we find out. Cody, yeah, Carol, Carol smacks her down. She's like, "Calm down." You might not want to start rubbing in yet because Cody actually got a fourteen hundred. That's good, and everyone is amazed, including uh, Cody. But Cody is more upset about anything because uh, he just doesn't want to be smart. He doesn't want all these new uh, life changes that might come along. He's convinced they're going to make him a brain surgeon now. Yeah. So we go upstairs to Dana. She's like got a box of her old like uh, grades and report cards. Yeah, and papers she's just and stuff. Pulling them out one at a time, crumbling them up, ripping them up. She's still upset, of course, um, that Cody did better than her. And uh, she. Carol comes in. Carol comes in to kind of comfort her, knowing that she's upset. And Dana's just freaking. She's like, I, I need to be perfect. And Carol's like, why? And she's like, well, I kind of got it from you, mom. Yeah, she's like, I'm supposed to be the smart one. Karen's the pretty one. I'm the smart one. And she's like, and Carol's like, oh, I always thought that Mark was the smart one. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. like, it's okay. Um, you don't have to be the smartest girl or the prettiest girl. You just need to try your best. That's all you have to do. And uh, it'll make me happy. And then, uh, like you said, she starts blaming her mom for the reason that she wanted to be so perfect. And uh, Carol's like, your best is more than good enough for me. And we kind yeah. of, in that scene... We go to Cody. He's uh, eating some ice cream, getting uh, repeating brain freezes because he doesn't. I guess he either likes it or just doesn't understand that that's why it's happening because he's eating the ice cream too fast. But, right. anyways, Dana comes in and she's like, "I'm not mad at you." Um, and I actually brought you this college catalog so you can look in there and see if there's any colleges that interest you. And he's like, "I don't want to go to college. I love my job." Um, she's like, "Well, you should go. You should at least give it a shot." Maybe uh, continue with your job, take a couple classes, see if you like it. And he's like, well, that's how they get you. Take a couple classes, and then you're in there, and you're hooked. And uh, Frank comes in, and he uh, calls. I, I will say, it does sound like he kind of is, at the end of this conversation, giving it some some consideration. And he'll go take like one class and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So then uh, Frank comes in, and he's like, everyone, I need you down here right now. We have to have a family meeting. My clothes are still going missing, and now my sunglasses are missing. Who and everyone, them? What? Who took them? Who took them? And Carol walks over, takes the sunglasses off the top of Frank's head, puts them on his eyes, and he feels like a real dummy now. They're on his head the whole time. That's a good one. That's good. Uh, and that's it. That was that's how the episode ends. There is a little uh, like bonus clip in the credits of him uh, cutting up watermelon once again, like acting like like a I don't know samurai or something. Yeah, like a ninja. I yeah. said ninja, but samurai, sure. Yeah, and that's it. That's your uh, season that's premiere it. of Step by Step for this week. So this seemed more like a mid-season episode. I was kind of surprised. I, well, I, let me let me take a step back. Family Matters started real big, right? They went big. They got the mm-hmm. American Gladiators. And this was just kind of a normal episode. I was a little little surprised. Good episode, though. I liked it. It was fine. No, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't... It didn't seem... 
I mean, remember last season when Perfect Strangers had a two part like in Los Angeles spy thriller movie for their opening? Like, oh, was that the premiere of, of Perfect Strangers? The season, the season premiere last year. Wow, right? yeah, yeah, didn't realize that. So, I guess they can only go big on like one show, right? Look, here's our here's our TGIF budget, Jeff Franklin. Figure it out. Yeah. Uh, nine o'clock, you've got dinosaurs. This is season three, episode one. It's called Nature Calls. After the theme song, we come into the uh, home where we got the boys watching some TV. Roy's in there too, and uh, they're watching Triceracops. And, uh, you know, it's just a cop show where dinosaurs are shooting each other. And then, you know, there was a cartoon Triceracops too. Oh, was there? Uh, like a real it was one? Actually, like a real one. Um, I actually totally like forgot about it until this moment. Um, I'm just taking a look. I'm trying to see when it came out, and I'm not going to be able to find this in a timely manner. Yeah, no worries. But, if you find it, you find it. Um, so yeah, yeah. they smell something, um, and it's pretty obvious what it is pretty quickly. Uh, baby's gone, some doo-doo in his diaper, and uh, he diaper. says, yep, it's me. Need a change. And uh, Earl calls for friend to change the baby, and uh, the women are all in the kitchen. They're doing some exercising on the, with watching the TV. And friends like totally. All right, time to do my job. I'm gonna go do it. And uh, what's the neighbor's name that uh, kind of stops? Right. Her? Oh, Monica. You're talking Monica. About Monica's like, Monica. you don't need to do that. You need to make Earl do that. Um, that's not a woman's job. That's like a shared role that you guys should have. And then friends like, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't make him do that. And uh, they kind of give her a hard time. And then friend goes in to tell Earl, you need to change the diapers this time. And not only this time, you need to change the diapers. The rest Forever. of the time. Yeah. All right. I got a couple updates real quick before okay. we go on. So first I want to mention that when they, when first time Carl calls or Earl calls Earl. for Fran, uh, they're doing like aerobics in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I think you might have mentioned that. And the dinosaur on the TV is like a Richard Simmons dinosaur and is actually voiced by Richard Simmons. Oh, so that's fun. That's pretty cool. Um, I also found out that Triceracops are not an actual show. It was a, those were characters on a show called Dino Saucers. Uh, which I don't remember at okay. all, from, but it's from the late 80s. Anyways, that's all I got for Triceratops. So after Fran tells Earl to do the diaper, he's like, no. And then she just like leaves the diaper with him and says, I'll be back in 10 minutes. You better have that baby changed. So uh, <laughs> Earl goes upstairs with baby, starts to change the baby. Um, er, uh, baby Roy's baby up there. On Earl. Yeah, Roy's up there helping out too. They take the diaper off. They just freak out. Roy passes out, and then baby just pees right in Earl's face. <laughs> oh, babies! So jump downstairs to the dinner table. Earl is uh, arriving to the table with baby, talking about how bad it was, how disgusting it was, and Fran's like, "This is your responsibility from now on." And Earl says, "No, this is a women's job. That's why I married a woman." And uh, <laughs> Then uh, she gives him another suggestion. Well, you're going to be changing his diaper until he's potty trained. And then Earl's like, all right, fine. Go potty, potty train, train him. him. And she's like, there's another. No, you need to. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's another side joke here where they're kind of spelling out a lot of these words. So baby doesn't understand mm-hmm. what they're talking about. And baby with his building blocks spells out. Um, they think I can't spell. <laughs> That was pretty funny. That's good. Um, So, yeah, it's potty training time now. We're back in the bathroom. Earl is trying to show uh, baby how to use the toilet. And uh, then he starts, like, having his own conversation with the toilet. And uh, he puts baby in this, like, toilet seat that locks him onto the toilet. Like, it closes, like, clamps around his legs. Is this a real thing? Like, did they have have toilet? I bet they did at some point. I wouldn't be so—I bet you're right. I bet you're right that this was considered, like, a normal training technique back in the day. Yeah, so they clamp him in. He's on the toilets, and uh, he uh, starts—Earl starts reading a book about uh, how to, like, teach potty training, like— you have to pretend it's like a, a, a babbling brook and a waterfall, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then it doesn't make baby go to the bathroom, but instead uh, makes Earl realize that he needs to go to the bathroom himself. So right. uh, we then skip ahead a little later. We've got Earl and baby um, coming down to dinner, acting like he's all potty trained. But then, of course, uh, baby poops in his diaper again right there at the, at the kitchen table. Yep. Uh, Earl picks up baby and says, uh, I'm taking him to the bathroom and we're not leaving until this baby is potty trained. So back in the bathroom, um, they've got boxes of diapers, boxes of prunes. They're watching TV 
And uh, Earl's like, you know what's going to make this happen? I'm going to get you some prune juice from the fridge. So he goes downstairs to get the prune juice. Uh, while this is going on, I don't remember. Did something scare Baby and he fell out of the toilet? I know he fell No, off. no. Baby just says, I'm going to go where I want to go. And he so he makes the decision to to try to get off the toilet. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he ends up falling off the toilet. Uh, Earl goes back upstairs with the prune juice, but he doesn't realize that Baby has already come downstairs. And he's like, I'm going wherever I want. And looks at um, Ethel's wheelchair. And uh, we kind of get an idea of why, what might be going on there. I thought he was just going to poop in the wheelchair, but... Uh, I thought so, too, yeah. Um, Earl gets back upstairs, finds out that Baby is gone, thinks that Baby fell in the toilet, um, so now he's freaking out that Baby's gotten flushed or something. We go back downstairs. The Baby is now riding the wheelchair out of the house. Out the door. Back upstairs. Uh, Earl is now uh, really freaking out. He rips the toilet out from the ground and uh, is now looking into this hole in the ground of the bathroom, trying to figure out how he's going to get baby out of there. Yeah, he straight thinks the baby went down the toilet. Yeah, so uh, now we show the baby is uh, now in the forest. He has uh, ridden, I'm assuming, pretty far away. He's talking to creatures, and the creatures are uh, talking to them, talking to baby about how, like, toilets are are horrible things, and you yeah. should just be you able do to whatever you want. go wherever you want. And Baby now um, is being convinced that he should just live in the forest. And as they're having this conversation, a pterodactyl swoops down, picks up Baby, and drops him in its nest. Yeah. This is this would be pretty terrifying if I was Baby. Especially because there's, what, two, three eggs in there? Yeah, two, out. I think. Um, so we then go back to the home where the family um, discovers that Earl has flushed Baby down the toilet. But... <laughs> Ethel calls uh, for some help. She says her wheelchair is missing, and then they put some pieces together and determine that Baby has left the house in Ethel's wheelchair. Well, and in fairness, Fran very quickly says, look, that's not how the toilet works. It's not possible. Like, Baby is not in the toilet. So we got to figure out what is actually going on here. Yeah, and Earl, like, he thinks that someone broke into the house, (laughs) left his wallet, Stole the we something else crazy. So it's here's what he thinks. So he thinks that somebody broke in, flushed baby, flushed down, the the baby toilet, down the toilet, yeah, yeah. Drank Ethel's juice because Ethel can't find her prune juice. Oh no, they uh, find no, they find the bottle right outside there. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. And then then stole the wheelchair and and fled. Yeah. So um, friends, like, uh, no, that's not, that's not happening. You and uh, Robbie go find baby. Uh, Charlene, you go call the cops, and then I'll be here in case baby comes back. So that's right. where we go now. Um, we check in at baby in the nest first, and it looks like, uh, one of these eggs is starting to hatch and baby is getting really scared. Um, then we go back down to the forest where Earl and Robbie are there now, and they find, uh, Ethel's wheelchair. They go over to the creatures that baby was talking to, and they tell him that the, uh, that baby was snatched by a pterodactyl. Right. Right. So they're looking around now for this this nest, the tree. Yep. Uh, checking back in with the baby. The eggs are now like really hatching, like they're starting to come out. Baby's yelling for help. Um, they run over to where they hear baby from, and uh, Earl tries to get baby to jump, um, but baby's like, "No, I don't want to come back to you. Where you're just gonna have make me go to the bathroom in the toilet? Like I don't want to." And Earl like apologizes, and he's like. The eggs start to hatch a little more, and then Baby jumps off. I think misses both of them and just lands straight on the ground, right? I think so. That sounds right. And he's like, again, again. And then uh, Earl tells Baby that, you know what? I've got diapers ready. Uh, You can wear them until you're ready. Let's go back home. So they all go back home. And then um, final scene is kind of from outside of the house. Like We don't see this happen, but you kind of just see the house. It's nighttime now. You hear baby yell, "All right, I'm ready," and I'm then ready. and then you hear baby peeing on Earl once again. So that's yep. the end of the episode for that one. I think I feel like we got through that one kind of quick. Yeah, I mean well, that was it. That was that's what happened. Yeah. Um. So that's the premiere for dinosaurs. Now we get into what everyone um was waiting for the premiere, yeah, the new one, a brand new show. This is Camp Wilder, season one, episode one. Do we have names for these episodes? Do you have them anywhere or? Uh, yes. Yeah. 
Bad Influence is the name of season. This is Bad Influence. Um, Just so everyone knows, we are watching VHS recordings that have been digitized, and the quality is not great. Yeah, this is one of the least least quality ones we've had so far. So So the show starts off. um, I'll play the theme song here, because I feel like we always play the theme song on a a brand new show. So here's this. All right. kind of tell why that was not one of the uh finalists for the uh theme song bracket that we did at uh at galaxy con like if you like surf music rockabilly awesome con maybe, awesome con we did that. awesome con. you'll yeah. probably like this song but there's really not a whole lot to it it is a you know generic guitar driven surf rock song yeah so from the theme song we kind of learn a lot we don't learn characters names but we learn that there's um a brother and two sisters and then a bunch of friends that are at this in this show right how did we learn that i i must have missed so like under it says like friend and then it says other friend and then it says sister like yeah yeah, that's all it says so we start to kind of learn a little more about these characters in the first few scenes and i'm not gonna like i mean i don't know if you'd rather just tell us who everyone is from imdb or if you want to kind of do it as we meet the characters let's do it as we get let's do it as we go yeah i mean we open up with uh characters brody danielle and beth and they're all watching thumb and louise on the couch brody is jerry o'connell he is the older brother of the group of like the family kids danielle who is hillary swank she is a friend of of the the older daughter or i shouldn't say i guess we gotta get there's a lot of context here but she's a friend and then we have beth uh who is also a friend beth is played by margaret langrick um and i guess when i say son and daughter the the whole premise here is that the the oldest sister who is played by mary page keller her name is ricky uh so there's her um brody and melissa are all brothers and sisters no sophie sophie right no 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 Sophie is not a brother and sister to them. So the, the youngest are, girl, the youngest girl is not. Hold on a second. Hold on. A second. Give me a sec. Give okay. me a sec. So Ricky, Brody, Melissa, brothers and sisters, their parents have died. Um, Sophie is the youngest in the the youngest of all the kids, and she is Ricky's actual daughter. Oh, um, okay. So Ricky yeah. is an, you know, Ricky is older, the oldest sister, old enough to take care of everybody. She has the one daughter. Now she has to take responsibility for Brody and Melissa. So we got Brody on the couch. With Danielle and Beth, who were both friends, Danielle and Beth, um, and th- they're watching Thumb and Louise. And then Dorfman, who is played by Jay Moore, comes in. He is Brody's best friend. And you said Beth is uh, Brody's sister? No, Melissa no. is the sister. And Melissa, she's not and in Melissa this comes, opening scene. She comes down next. She's the one that's upstairs writing a poem and doing the schoolwork. Oh, okay. She comes okay. down. That is, that is Brody's. She's basically the youngest child of the three. So you've got Ricky, the oldest, Mary Page Keller. Brody, the next oldest, uh, who's played by Jerry O'Connell, and then Melissa, who is the youngest of the three sis- brother sisters, Megan uh, Halderman. Okay, um, I thought like, I didn't realize, but like uh, right away, but Ricky, like you said, is the sister. She actually she seems like she's like the mom of the house, but like correct, she's, she's the, the caretaker sister. of everybody. Yeah, she's a nurse, so she's out of the house a whole lot. Um, she just gets home from uh, from work. And I don't know, nothing really happens in this first scene, really. No, no, we, you know, she, so we find, Melissa comes down, she, we find out she's writing a poem. This is where we find out that the parents have died and that, you know, Ricky's taking care of them. And then we, we are also introduced to Sophie. Sophie, like I said, is Ricky's daughter. Um, she's the youngest of all the children and she is played by Tina Majorino, I'm going to say. Okay. And, and it might be hard to recognize her because of the quality of the video, but, but did you recognize her? No, I did not. She is, God, I get this name wrong. Deb. From Napoleon Dynamite. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So she is deaf from Napoleon Dynamite. That's fun. Uh, and then and then Ricky comes. Oh, and there's a, we set up this storyline as well, where where she is expecting the Tooth Fairy, but Melissa, her you know Melissa has made her terrified of 
of this tooth fairy. Like a tooth fairy is like an evil, you know, thing that's going to come and take all of her teeth. And then Ricky comes home. Yeah. So then we go to uh, the next day um, and we're introduced to Dorfman at this time as well. Well, Dorfman's in the opening scene. We do see him there because oh, this is where he starts to establish that he just likes to hit on, hit on Ricky because he comes in, she comes home. He asks if she's still dating that, that loser guy who turns out to be a surgeon. Um, and Dorfman just starts to hit on her. Okay, so Brody and Dorfman are playing video games on the couch. And this is where we also learn uh, from Beth that there's a big party this weekend. We do. There's a really good joke here that I that I, that I think, I, I hope at least, sets up some of the humor for this show. Um, where they're playing video games, they're, there's, I think, a magazine they're looking at. And there's some rejuvenating cream in the magazine um, and Ricky makes a joke that they should order some rejuvenating cream for their, their parents. Um, Jeez. Which I, thought, I thought was a good <laughs> joke. So, um, but yeah, we, heard, we find out there's a party from Beth. Yeah. So the guys are like, eh, I don't know. And then like she mentioned some girl's going to be there. And like, all right, we want to go now. And uh, yeah. Danielle. Danielle comes, comes in. Over. She, yeah. This is where we kind of get established that Danielle and her mom don't get along. Danielle's mom got mad at her for watching Thelma and Louise. Doesn't like her hanging out at the house because there's no adult supervision. So there's a whole, we, we kind of learn that Danielle parents don't like Ricky and the situation. Yeah, and Ricky's in there and she's like, you know what? I'm going to call Danielle's parents. And like she calls him, but the conversation doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, and the kids also, like the rest of the kids in the house agree and say, I mean, she's right. There is no there is no adult supervision really in this house. All right, so then we go to the next scene where um, one of the girls, I don't know which one it is. Is this Melissa or about talking about the tooth fairy? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. right. Melissa, it's Melissa. Yeah. So Melissa's talking to uh, Sophie about the tooth fairy and um, trying to scare her some more. And then Ricky is starting to think now that maybe Danielle's mom is right about this whole like supervision and stuff. And it kind of gets her in this like mindset of like, maybe I need to be watching these kids a little more. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of, she exactly. She kind of says, maybe I do need to be more parental Dorfman's there Danielle's there. I mean everyone's yeah they're talking about the party and then Ricky is like you know what I don't think this party is a good idea I don't think you should go Brody and yep. Brody's like well you can't tell me what to do I'm gonna go anyway and then she's like well if you don't listen to me I'm you're gonna live with your grandma and then Brody's like yeah whatever so he goes upstairs to get dressed for the party um we go a little later. Now we've got Sophie once again, like uh, wiggling worry on her about tooth. This teeth thing. Yeah, uh, Ricky tells her, "Don't worry about it." Like talks about like her grandma's teeth or something like that. And then Brody goes to well because Melissa tells her. Melissa says, "The tooth fairy takes your teeth and grinds them down to make teeth for old people." So, so uh, uh, Sophie is worried that if she does not lose her teeth, then her then her grandma will not have teeth for her when she needs them yeah makes sense uh brody's getting ready to leave for the party and then uh ricky's like ricky took the keys to the car and she says that uh well he says that no no ricky says no ricky says if you go if you go you're grounded yeah she's like i can't make you not go to the party but uh if you do go then uh i guess like what the grandma stuff again she throws in there well he says she's grounded he says if you go you're grounded and, uh, and she says, I'm going to put the keys on the table and it's up to you to make the right decision. And of course, he takes the keys and goes Outs. to the party. Yep. Right yep. in front of her. Doesn't try to hide it or anything. So um, now we're at this party. Um, it's outside. It's like on a swing set. Someone's backyard, it looks like. <laughs> Someone's backyard. Yeah. That's just um, where they're sitting. It's not, the party's not on a swing I set. I mean, there's a swing set there. So And they're all there sitting is. on it. So um, Brody's like talking about like everything that's Fucking going that. on with yeah. some girl. It's the two girls from earlier, right? Yeah, Beth. Well, it's Beth at first. He's talking to her, and he's real mopey because he he just is kind of worried about Ricky and everything that's going on. And then Danielle comes over. Yeah, so they're all talking and about claims, it. Claims and, that the the bass player from Pearl Jam is there. Oh yeah, so the two girls go off to see the bass player from Pearl Jam, and uh, Brody tells Dorfman, "You know what? I think I want to leave this party." Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we go back to the house. Uh, few hours later i guess um, it is yeah because there's a conversation where evidently they go to the 7-eleven for three hours to play donkey kong and, and drink slurpees yeah so they get back home ricky grounds brody immediately for going to the party and explains uh then she and uh dorfman are sitting on the couch and she's kind of like explaining the dilemma that she's in like having to supervise these kids but also like trying to be nice and everything and then 
Dorfman starts to think that like she's trying to hit on him or something, and then tries to kiss her. And well, so he's got he's kind of sitting on a couch with his arms spread out. When she sits down, she sits like within his arm space. So he kind of sees this vulnerable situation that he decides he's going to take advantage of. Um, She's not having it. She pushes him away um, and tells him to go home, pretty much. Exactly. So we go the next day. uh, Brody finds out that his grandma's coming over because they've swapped out and put her lamp in that she gave them or something. And he starts talking, like saying some stuff about his grandma. And then we find out she's already there. She's right there in the other room, like listening the whole time. Yep. So um, someone goes into the kitchen to talk. Who is it here? Um, and she goes. She, it's grandma. Grandma takes takes Brody Ricky into the kitchen. Oh, takes Ricky. Oh, they to say of, like, yeah. Why? Here's why. Here's what you're doing wrong, and here's why Brody isn't listening to you. Yeah. So they had that conversation, and then uh, they call for like a family dinner, and Brody gets mad and goes upstairs. Right. Right. And then Ricky. Oh yeah, that's where Ricky and Grandma are talking. So then Dorfman comes over, um, just like crashes <laughs> into the back Tries door. To. He and tries he to. Tells yeah. him that he'll come back later. Um, he's kind of like an Urkel-ish character, like not as dorky, but like clumsy. Dumb. He's almost like he's a Urkel-Cody kind of combo. Cody, almost. I mean, he's he's the neighbor, right? He's the, the Kimmy Gibbler, like you said, the Cody, the Urkel. He's yeah. the neighbor. So uh, Ricky then goes to talk to Brody in his room. She apologizes to him. They have a little bit of a heart-to-heart, and they work it out. They figure everything out. Well, yeah, but there's a little more here because what they say or what Ricky says is she's like, you know, I was talking to grandma and grandma was telling me that this is exactly what she would do. Um, And she and Ricky's like, you know what, though, I like the way that our parents raised us. And and that was the opposite of what grandma did. So whenever grandma says something, I'm just going to do the opposite of what grandma says. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually they're kind of on the same terms. Uh, They work it out. And then the final scene of the episode uh, Ricky goes to check in on Sophie to make sure that she's not scared of the tooth fairy anymore. Um, she's like getting ready for bed. Like the lights are off. She's just not asleep. And she's like, nope, I'm all good. And then the door closes. And as the door closes, you kind of see the lights shine on her. And she's wearing like a catcher's mat. And I believe she has like a baseball bat in her hand as well. She does. Yeah. She does, and that's yeah. the end of the episode. That's um, Camp Wilder. Camp Wilder. Yeah. These kids are going to jail at some point during their lights, I imagine. <laughs> like zero. I mean, there's literally her whole attitude is... Uh, zero supervision um but whatever it'll be interesting i'll tell you i really out of the the one thing i really like to show i i like this dwarfman character he was funny jay moore i think was it was fun to watch it's kind of wild though it's kind of wild um it's so hard for me to look at jerry o'connell and jay moore and be like you're playing teenagers like i just it's so hard to see them as kids yeah and not just 20 year olds pretending to be not 20 year olds yeah yeah do, how do we know how old they are in the I don't. I mean, they gotta be their 20s, it's not that right? hard to figure out. So Jerry O'Connell, let's see, born in 74. So he's what? No, I mean, 18, 18 19, 19. Yeah. And then Jay Moore, 70. So yeah, he's 22, 23. Okay. Uh, we haven't done it in a while. You want to rank the episodes? How you like them? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. You want to go first or second? I got mine ready to go. I'll go first. All right. Um, and I'll say, I don't think any of them were bad. I no, just definitely not. preferred some more than the others. Um, I'm going to say step by step at four, um, Camp Wilder at three, Dinosaurs at two, and Family Matters at a, at a large one. Yeah, I agree. Family Matters at number one. The other three I've got all kinds of mixed up. I've got Dinos yeah. at four. Camp Wilder got a little boost for me at three just because it's the new show. And then I put step right, by step right. at two. For some reason, I remember that whole SAT episode. Yeah, I mean, I could have done any either way with those three. But, Fa- family um, Matters, though, we agree. A clear number one. 100%. 100 uh next um, week on before, the show well yeah, yeah next ahead. week we next week they're already they're already mixing it up on us we've got uh only two new episodes next week so step okay. by step season two episode two and camp wilder season one episode two so family matters dinosaurs reruns so only two new episodes next week okay uh, uh yeah make sure you're following us on all social media for all the updates yeah. if we change anything or anything like that we're always posting it on there just uh follow at tgif cast uh, thanks to Kirill once again for the theme song this week. Yeah, Kirill, yeah. And I, hey, before we go, I wanted to mention two things, two yeah. little quick TGIF-related things. So first of all, congratulations to Cheryl Lee Ralph. She yeah, won yeah. her 
her first Emmy for Outstanding Sporting Actress. They were saying they were saying on the uh, Today Show the next morning. This is the first time she was ever even invited to the Emmys. Right. Yeah. Which is a shame because uh, yeah. she was. I mean, she was on Moesha for all those years. I mean, she's done. She's been in the business for a long time. New Attitude, right? A lot of work. So yeah, New Attitude. Vicky St. James, obviously from New Attitude. Um, so congratulations. Did to you Cheryl see her speech? Uh, no, but I heard it was amazing. She like just sang a song while she was up there talking about like representation and stuff. It, it was good. Really? The whole crowd. I heard everyone it. stood up. Yeah, I heard it was really good. I have not. I did not watch it, but um, yeah, congratulations. That's really cool and really awesome. Um, the other thing I want to mention is I finally caught up uh, on She-Hulk. And if you haven't watched She-Hulk, the only reason I bring this up is that uh, TGIF favorite Mark Lynn Baker has a reoccurring role in the show that's oh. kind of just a fun little little com- comedic role. Well, that's um, got to be so, why he hasn't responded to us then, because he was busy doing it, She-Hulk. He's busy. Yeah, he's, he's got other things going on. He's not doing a lot on She-Hulk, but he's doing enough to uh, to make it worth mentioning. So, um, you know, if you haven't watched She-Hulk, it's, I like it. Uh, it might not be for everybody, but I enjoy it. And you get to see Mark Lynn Baker. So that's always fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we mentioned uh, at TGIFCast. If you've got emails you want to send us, TGIFCast at gmail.com. Uh, two new episodes next week. We're uh, getting yes. excited for it. Some more Camp Wilder. Figure out if we like the show or not. Yeah, see, I'm really curious to see where it goes because... Who knows? The it, it's it seems like it's going to be very contained to the house, which I think might get a little, I don't know, old. Yeah, but I mean, we already got a scene at a party. That's true. Very true. I don't know. I think yeah. we'll bounce around a little bit. They got to have some jobs at some point. These kids, they're kids. They're not going to have jobs. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, Jay Moore's twenty two years old. Maybe Brody. Maybe Dorfman. All right, man. Yeah, two episodes next week. Anything else? No, that's it. All right, man. Have a good week. You got it, dude. <laughs>